Well, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, I want to welcome everyone back to Grace Church Offstage. Um, the question for us today is how do we begin to move away from anxiety or fear uh, into a healthy place, right? But how do we accomplish that without all of these unhealthy traits that we tend to go to? You know, there is uh, the places of uh, denial, avoidance, sometimes uh, distraction is, is a very often thing we turn to. Um, and sometimes it's like a repression. It's almost like we just kind of bury it down deep, somewhere deep, okay? So our question is that, right? It's something that I think we're all feeling today. But before we get there, um, again, I'm glad you guys are, are here with us today. Uh, if you didn't check out the podcast from last week, the uh, it's all about kind of what you need for that week. Uh, as we go through this experience of quarantine, uh, the virus, as our uh, normal life is kind of taken away from us, we will go through stages of grief and mourning, uh, fear, um, anger, anxiety. And so uh, in this podcast, each Monday, the goal is going to be to kind of lead you through each week. Um, I'll do my best to kind of uh, to have a feel for kind of where we are um, in this process of grieving and kind of trying to make sense of this new world that we're in. And so uh, if you missed out last week, there's some really kind of practical tips there. Uh, if you have kids, if you have a family, uh, if you're not alone in the home, I have some tips for you guys to help you begin to, to understand how to move through this process, um, you know, just in, in the first stages. Uh, if, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, uh, I encourage you to do that, you know. Uh, for us, it's it's an ongoing conversation. The idea is at Grace Church, we start a lot of discussions in services and classes that we just don't have time to kind of finish. And so I wanted to have a place to kind of give you a chance to, to have these discussions in length. Um, and so, uh, it's always going to be a good time for us. Now, the goal, right, for today, how do we begin to move away from anxiety and fear in this, um, you know, in a healthy way? Now, what's happening for all of us, it's week two, um, it's a Monday, um, afternoon as I sit here on the, on the blue couch trying to record this with you guys. For most of us, this is the start of a second week in isolation. Um, it's been about two to three weeks that we have sensed that our world as we know it is changing. So what's happening internally for us, right, is that the heaviness is beginning to set in for us. The uh, reality that this might not be a hoax, this might not be um, a temporary thing, Uh, this might not just be like a flu or a cold, it might not just be 10 days or 15 days or a short spring break that we are in this place, this might be a new normal, this go on for weeks or for months. And so, um, you know, I suspect that we've been in a place where at some point in the last week that we have felt a very intense uh, emotional or physical or mental reaction to this pressure that's building inside of us. As this heaviness begins to kind of fall down on us, you know, it's almost like we begin to feel trapped. My wife just got this weighted blanket. It is is the most odd thing in the world to put it on because it makes you feel trapped at first, right? But it almost brings a sense of kind of a... But peace with it almost. But at first experience of this, you know, when this blanket is laid across you, you can't move very easily. It's almost like you've been moved to a different planet. Like the gravity is higher, right? It's more difficult just to move your arm or, or your legs, you know. And so when you first experience that, it's, it's odd, but, you know, you have this moment of panic that kind of sets in on you, you know. You just feel constricted, confined. And honestly, I believe that that's kind of where we are right now. We are sensing the uh, 
confinement, the heaviness, the weightiness of the shift in our lives begin uh, to set in. There are questions that are kind of going through our minds. You know, when will this be over? Uh, are things ever going to go back to the way that they were? Um, you know, what things is this going to cause me to miss out on? You know, it's uh, here in Arkansas, it's uh, spring break time for us. You know, that there's families who had scheduled trips and outings. Uh, you know, I think for us, we had these, the, these plans for travel baseball. You know, they're on my calendar right now on, uh, on my Mac. You can see all of the tournaments that we're supposed to be at. You know, what are we going to miss out on? And of course, the question of, well, when this is over, are the things that we might not be able to ever get back? Are, are the things that are going to, you know, slip through our fingers that we can never have back again, you know? And then I think at the same time, it's also a question of what negative things, you know, what kind of the, the things that are new to our life, right? Like the social distancing, right? The, uh, the panic at Walmart, the difficulty to get certain items, just the overall uh, dread, you know, the uncertainty of our schedules, school, churches, uh, you know, which of these negative things might never pass? Are there going to be any of these things that are kind of weighing on us that might never lift? Will these things that we are dealing with right now ever pass away from us? I think this is, again, it's bringing us to a place of just kind of a heaviness, right? Now, as this begins to set in, right, again, um, we, you know, we're all different. Not everyone is able to, to really be aware or to sense what's happening inside of you right now. But I guarantee you it's happening in every person. It doesn't matter your personality, your makeup, you know, um, uh, your behavior cycles. It doesn't matter. In all of us, this is growing inside of us, right? The question is just, you know, are we aware of it? And if we are aware of it, how are we going to deal with it? I know online I see a lot of pastors and churches who are really promoting it's time to jump into the scriptures, it's time to jump into prayer, uh, and, you know, it's time to do these types of things to kind of cope with this fear and dread. Now, all these things can be very healthy things, things that Christians have done for thousands of years, but we have to be very careful that when we jump into prayer, uh, you know, when we jump into the scriptures, that we're not just trying to avoid, that we're not jumping to a place of uh, denial. This is where, you know, those statements we've talked about at Grace Church before. Oh, well, you know, uh, God's in control of everything. He's sovereign. You know, well, God has a plan. You know, surely there's a reason that all of these millions of people are going to get sick and, that you know, all of these people are going to lose their jobs and, you know, grandmothers and mothers and fathers and daughters and sisters, you know, are going to die. Surely God has a plan. Just have faith, right? That's very unhealthy unhealthy place to go, uh, you know, and uh, we plan to have a, a podcast episode just talking about how do we think about God in this, but that's for a different day. Today, what we need is how do we direct these emotions? What do we do with these? And so we want to make sure that we're handling this in a positive, healthy way. If we just run to scriptures, you know, to read over scriptures over and over again, or to say prayers consistently, what's happening for us is it, it has the ability to become a temporary hideout, almost like a cave that we're hiding away from the mental stresses that we're feeling, the thoughts and fears, the emotional, uh, you know, the, the rise of stress, uh, uh, anxiety, um, the bodily tension we're feeling. And it can become very unhealthy behavior if we're not processing our emotions in the right way. Here's what we need to do today. Um, understand this, first of all. 
that our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, and our body, there's not one that goes over the other. You know, I think, um, you know, there's some kind of modern humanist teachings right now that tell you that the mind has control over everything else, over the body, over the emotions. And granted, this is a very attractive thing for us to do because it seems the easiest to control the mind. But just understand that in the scriptures and in, um, in experience practicality, it's, it's healthiest to view the emotions and the mind and the body as equals. We don't want to place the one over the other trying to control everything else with our minds. What tends to happen when we do that is there tends to be places uh, in, inside of us emotionally. There tend to be places inside of our bodies where we begin to neglect ourselves and our health. And so we're not going to try to put our mind over those things, but we do want to understand that it's almost like we always need to find a balance. When our mind is it's just kind of racing with thoughts, sometimes the best thing to do is pay attention to your body, you know, to go for a jog, to work out, to, to rest, to eat, you know, have a drink. Um, water is what I was talking about right there, right? Have a drink of water. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a place for emotions. You know, when we're feeling exhausted uh, in our bodies or, or sick, it's not just a place for us to, you know, to, to begin to think positive thoughts. Sometimes we need a place to, to allow our emotions to be processed. Sometimes it's, it's a great place for, uh, to journal. It's a great place to go, um, you know, uh, if we have a counselor. It's a very healthy place for that, right? So right now, though, I want to focus today with our mind. The reason for that is because our mind is the part right now that is being overwhelmed with information, right? With the news, with uh, Facebook, with, uh, you know, all the emails we get from all the businesses and churches that are all telling us how clean, you know, the buildings are and, you know, uh, all kind of stuff like that. And so today I want to focus on our mind. What can we do in our mind to get our emotions and our thoughts and our body to a healthier place? So what we're going to do today is this. I want to challenge you to come with me to the bright side of things, right? Almost imagine that like you're looking at something on a table from one side of the table. And I want to encourage you to walk around to the other side and look at it from a different angle. Now, this is not my, you know, um, natural stance on things. You know, if you guys know me, if you guys are at Grace Church, you know, uh, I tend to be a very kind of a, uh, let's kind of say it straight. Um, I always feel at home in the truth. Sometimes I feel like, you know, trying to put too much of a positive spin on things is a little bit deceptive at times. Now, Today, though, what's different is this. We are now so heavily slanted to the negative side of the uh, perspective on this experience. I want us to walk onto the other side of the table for today. Here's what we're going to do. Understand this. There's a bright side. There is a gift to, to how we understand the things that are happening to us right now. So uh, the weighted blanket that I mentioned earlier. When I first feel it, when it first goes in my body, I just want to fight it. I want to, I want to run away from it. I want to burn it, right? It freaks me out. But at the same time, if I allow myself to be still there, there's a weird comfort that comes you know, with this thing. Um, and I, I think still that there is a gift that we can find. This. I am not telling you that this is a gift from God, right? What we see in the scriptures is that in all things, God is able to work things for good. Not that God intends or creates or sets all things in motion for good. It's that even in the worst things that God might not have set in motion, if we're able to be present with God and allow God to be present with us, there can be good. There can be a gift in it. So there are three areas that I want us to focus on the gift today. First of all, I want us to focus on the past. This experience of quarantine 
the coronavirus um, basically reformatting our entire world in less than a week, right? It also has the ability to give us a new perspective on the past. So what I encourage you to do is this. Allow this experience to stir up those memories from last week, last year, you know, from 20 years ago, whatever it is. Allow your, your memories to go up wherever they go. What's interesting is that if you allow yourself to look back at these memories, that you have a new kind of a thankfulness, right, for small things. You know, uh, sometimes gathering at church could be a pain for me, right? There's a lot of work to do. But this Sunday when I was doing the uh, broadcast, I just really had this emotional moment where I, I missed everyone. I missed seeing people. I missed the handshakes, the hugs. I missed being around people. I, my perspective of something that at one time could have been a burden or a weight, now because of this new experience, this confinement, I have a thankfulness. Just the simple things, being able to take my kids to the park, being able to go to a baseball game, right? Going to a restaurant, with my wife or seeing friends at a coffee shop, these very small things that used to be ordinary in our previous lives. This thing has the ability to create intense thankfulness if we allow it to kind of change our perspective. There's something else it allows us to do. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the practice of uh, uh, imaginative prayer, but this is a thing that the, uh, the Ignatius once taught us. Uh, Christians have been doing this for about 2,000 years. And so, well, wait, I'm sorry, I apologize, a thousand years. So Ignatius taught us this form of prayer where we would use our imagination to take us into a setting, whether it's in, and of course in this, in this setting, I'm encouraging you to take it into your memories. And you begin to sit there in a place of prayer and just kind of allowing your imagination to take you back into just, you know, a memory with, with your family or with friends. And you begin to sit in that place with God. And you allow God to kind of almost like to heal um, your memory of that moment and to bring uh, thankfulness and generosity into your heart. And so sometimes what I can do, I just kind of sit back and think about, say, a month ago, you know, we took the kids to, you know, a park or to a restaurant or to a movie. And I can sit there in the presence of God and just feel this thankfulness that I had these moments with my family. Um, It's it's a very powerful thing to do. And again, this is a gift to us into our past. That even this this awful experience of being quarantined and you know we feel like we've been stolen from, if we allow ourselves to, to kind of to step to the other other side of the table and change our perspective, this has a gift to allow us to see our past and our, our memories, the things that we've been gifted with, to really appreciate them, to allow thankfulness uh, into our minds and our hearts right now. What that's gonna do is gonna begin again, these are all small steps, but what they do is they begin to transition the way that your physical brain is processing information. Uh, uh, Neuroscience has shown us the amazing power of like thankfulness. When we begin to shift our brains into this form of processing information, it has the ability to affect our emotions and our bodies in very powerful ways. Now, in the same way we do this for our past, I want us to do this for our present. This experience has a tremendous opportunity for every one of us in our present lives right now. You have time for everything that you didn't have time for in the past. That is a profound gift. I know that I used to have people who would say to me, man, I wish I could be 
a pastor and just kind of sit around all day and you know pray and read and stuff like that and and again you know I'm I aware I'm aware that they were joking and you know they probably don't know all the things that we do as pastors but the idea was still there right there most people have moments in their lives where they wish they could control their time they wish that they could invest their time and energy and emotions in people or in in dreams or hobbies or crafts and things that they are passionate about but they never did because they're so busy the schedules are so full to-do lists are so full, all the places we had to be were all the places that we didn't necessarily want to be the most. And the gift that we have right now in the present, if you allow yourself to shift how you view this, this is an amazing gift in the present. You have the ability right now to be present, to prioritize the people and the things that truly matter the most. Even though there are some harsh realities and there are people who are suffering right now and, and we're not trying to uh, belittle that. But we're saying in the middle of this, even though I might not be able to work right now, what I can do, I now have permission to prioritize, to invest myself in the things that truly matter most in this experience of life as a human being. So I encourage you this. Find ways to be present with the people who matter most to you. If they're in the home with you, make sure you are intentional to give them your focus, your attention. If you have a dream or a hobby, you know, for example, for me, I know that I've got some books that I felt like I was supposed to write and I just never had time to do them. They always fell down to the bottom of my list. And I'm going to be very intentional right now to make sure that I set aside time to write. I would never do this before because there are always things that came up before. What is that thing for you? Is there a hobby? Is there a craft? Is there a dream? Is there something you always wanted to pursue, to pour yourself into, but you never were free to do it? This is a gift to you. Invest yourself into that. Also, I'd say this. In the present, this is a time for you to find things that trigger the childlikeness inside of you. So an example, today... I had all these important things to do, right? <laughs> you know, I'm on quarantine, but I still had to record a podcast. We had some things the house we're doing. Um, I have a paint job that we're trying to get finished up. So even with quarantine, I'm still, you know, uh, in a hurried mode. And I'm about to go out the house, and uh, my daughter grabs my hand. She's uh, two years old, and she says, Daddy, dance with me. And I almost said no, truthfully. And I had this moment where I finally just realized I've got time for this. I've got time for this, right? So we put on some you know, some uh, rap music, and I mean, we just started breaking it down right there in the kitchen, man. And uh, you know, for about six to eight minutes, we just she helped me connect to her, and she helped me connect to my childlikeness inside of me. And for eight minutes, I was not aware of a virus or of you know of any kind of fear or uh, you know pressures or anxiety. I was able to be fully present with the things and people that matter most. So I encourage you, we need to find those things for us right now. Now, in the same way that we have this gift that it offers us in our past and our present, it also has a gift for us in the future. Now, um, I plan to kind of shift this a little bit, right? Um, While it does have a gift for us in our personal lives, as I'm saying, the hope that I have for for all of us in this is that on the other side of this experience, when we come out of this, that we will have experienced the goodness of prioritizing the things and people that matter most and that we won't be willing to give that up. Now, with that being said, I want to shift a little bit more to like a global picture. 
Here is what this thing could offer us, a gift it could offer us. It will cost us a price, and it is going to be a, a painful experience. It is going to be something that we will never forget uh, in our lifetime. But understand this. Circumstances breed creativity, focus, and all sorts of innovations. You know, uh, in, in America, we talk about the golden generation, generation who, um, who fought in World War II. And, I, you know, and as, as amazing as they are, I want you to understand this. As far as history, what history tells you is that all of the greatest innovations and accomplishments of, of individuals and uh, nations and groups of people and have all come from challenging circumstances. You know, I, you know, we joke about millennials and, you know, things like that. But I want you to understand something. Everyone alive right now is being put into a pressure cooker. This is a situation where everyone is being forced into an environment that has the opportunity to bring out the worst in us, but also has the opportunity to bring out the best in us as well. And so uh, the gift that this could have for us, and again, it's not guaranteed, the gift that this could have for us is we could see amazing creativity, um, uh, inventions, all sorts of uh, amazing steps forward in our society and technology. Um, I know personally one thing I really hope to see, especially in the church first, is that we see an increase in kind of a unity um, and a compassion. Um, you know, you could be on uh, either side of the row in politics, but you have to admit that the divisiveness in our nation has been toxic. And you can blame on either side you want. Both are completely guilty of this. There is such a divisiveness. And even inside the church, it's been such a hate and, you know, such a separation, uh, such a willingness, even right now, to scapegoat people groups and individuals to blame uh, for everything right now. And so one of the things that happens is, psychologically, when you have a shared experience of suffering, it's one of the most powerful bonding agents that human beings have. What I hope is that we can move away from any of this language that blames people groups or whatever. And what I hope that you could see, the, the Christian hope should be, that on the other side of this we have a globe, we have a nation, we have a church that is so much slower to blame, to speak against, to criticize, to malign, because there's a shared suffering. When we speak about you know, people in Italy or Australia or China or South Korea or Mexico, there's a connectedness because there's a shared grief. The odds are is that we will all have someone die who we know and we love. And that when we talk to someone from Mexico or from South Korea or China, that this will bond us together. That suffering and pain has an ability to bond together. Historically in the church, the church has always been healthiest. The church has always been the most pure image of Jesus and God when it experienced suffering. Historically, also, the church has always been some of the most um, responsible for some evil, has been some of the most uh, power-hungry and money-hungry. Um, Protestants, you know, um, you know, we used to criticize the Catholic Church for its role in wars and, you know, trying to kind of um, abuse its powers for money. Uh, got involved in politics and things like this, you know. And, and I, I remember as a Protestant, we used to really make fun of that in history. 
uh, for the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church. But in the last 50 years, it's the evangelical church that's been responsible for all the same things. Now, what happens in this is that when a ch- when the church comes into areas of thriving or almost like um, it's like a presumed success, it begins to fall into things that it was never built to fall into. But suffering in the history of the church has always been the one thing that's uh, that's chosen to uh, to wake it up, to kind of like to restore it to places of beauty and. Again, the hope that I have is on the end of this, the church comes out as a beautiful thing worth saving. I know there's a lot of fear about the church and small churches that could die and things like that. But the hope that I have is that we come out of this with a uh, renewed focus on the purpose of the church and the world. Now, there are some really simple things that we can do, right? We understand that the heaviness and the reality of what's happening is beginning to set in. It's almost like you can just feel this weight begin to set in on everyone right now. We know that we're not going to try to control our, uh, our emotions, our body with our mind. We understand that, you know, at different times our emotions are going to help us connect to our mind or body. At other times our, our body is going to help us connect to our mind or emotions, vice versa. But right now I want you to, to focus with your mind. We know that we're going to use it to connect to the gift of the past. That it's going to, if we allow it to, it can take, it to some, take us to some really powerful places of uh, thankfulness and prayer in our past. It can allow us to really begin to, to be planted in the present, invest ourselves into the people and the places and the dreams that, that we've never had time to be in. It has the ability for the future to, to gift us with, uh, when we come out of this, that we won't give up prioritizing the people and things that matter most. And hopefully it will change our world, our nation, and our church um, for the better. Now, there are, here are three simple steps that I encourage us all to do some actions. Uh, first of all is this. I encourage you to find the gift of your past by making a list of three um, memories that just kind of come to you. If you sit down, just kind of give yourself about five minutes and just jot down three memories that when you're sitting here thinking, just kind of, you know, they stick around. And when you jot those down, I encourage you to spend time praying over those memories. Uh, Ask God to show you just, you know, uh, how much of a gift that those things were. And you just kind of sit in a place of thankfulness with God for these amazing memories, that these amazing gifts of moments you've had with the people that, uh, that mean the most to you. Uh, here's the second thing. I encourage you to make a list. List three um, places or people that you want to prioritize yourself in the present. So each day when you wake up, who, where are three people or places? A dream, a hobby, a craft, a uh, family member, friend, Three places that you are going to prioritize being present every single day. If it's a text message, if it's a spouse, you're going to sit down and just have time to talk or hang out or do something that they like to do. If it's kids, you're going to make sure that you give them attention in a way that kind of means a lot to them. If it's a hobby, you're going to you know create a half an hour to do that thing. Whatever it is, make a list of three places or people you want to invest yourself in in the present. And then here, and then lastly, uh, the third action step. I want you to list three possible positive outcomes, meaning three ways that you can imagine that we can have a a positive outcome. Uh, It could be for yourself personally. It could be for your family, for uh, a company. It can be for um, our nation or for the church or for just the world. I want you to imagine three possible positive outcomes. And I want you to kind of allow this list to be something that you you remind yourself on. Uh, each day, especially when you're being faced with all of this, you know, negative information. 
So for us and all of us, right, we are trying to get our place, ourselves to a place of mental, emotional, spiritual health with God. And we know that avoiding it, that trying to bury it down deep, trying to hide from it, um, distract ourselves with, you know, food, <laughs> which, which is a great way to do it, you know, with all different things is not going to lead us to a healthy place. And at some point, the people close to us are going to pay for it if we don't process these things right now. So I hope that these steps help you. Um, I'll be back next Monday. Remember, the goal again is each week I plan to to give you some some content to kind of help you guide yourself and your family as you process each week as we go through this experience. Remember, uh, the goal here is to allow God to be present with us. We know God is present with us, but we have to allow God to be present with us in our past, our present, and our future. All right, guys, I'll see you next week. 